Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Amen. Church, isn't it good that we worship a God who is powerful enough to split the sea so that we can walk through them? Isn't it amazing that we serve a God whose grace takes us through the waters and because he is powerful, we don't have to be afraid? That's a God worth resting in. That's a God whose power is worth abiding in. So church, let's go before that God in prayer as we listen to his word. God, we thank you for your grace, and we ask that we would be people who forever stand in awe of your goodness and your love and how it rescues us from our slavery and brings us to places of freedom, how it rescues us from bondage and brings us to places of healing and wholeness and hope. God, remind us again and again through your word of the rest that you have called us to, a rest that is good, a rest that is eternal, a rest that is good for our souls, our minds, our bodies, and is good for the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's start off today by recounting a story. There's a story that is told in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapters 13 and 14. In the book of Numbers chapter 14 and 13, we see a story of spies being sent out to explore the promised land. And as these spies go out to explore the promised land, they see that this land is good. It is, as the Bible uses in this metaphor, flowing with milk and honey. It is a land that is rich. It is a land that has every resource that the Israelites need. But they run into a certain problem. And that problem comes from fear and doubt. There is fear and doubt in some of the spies who go out that this land, even though it is good and filled with many good things, is a land that has many, many obstacles in the way that will keep the people from receiving the rest that God has promised them. And so, out of the 12 spies that are sent into the land, only two of those spies, Joshua and Caleb, come back with a positive report that says, we, with God by our side, can walk through this storm, can walk through this sea that is in front of us. But the other spies look and they say, it is, it's, it's too much. The people of this land look like giants, and we look like grasshoppers in front of these giants. There is no way we can enter into this land. There is no way we can enter into God's rest. And so as night starts to fall and the reds and oranges of the campfires are glowing for the people of Israel, people start to murmur and people start to complain because they say, what is this that has happened? How is it that God has brought us out of the land of Egypt into this wilderness only to die either in the wilderness or to die in the land that God is calling us to. The people grumble and they raise their voices against Moses and against Aaron. And they say things 
Like if only we had died in Egypt. At least in Egypt we had cucumbers and leeks and onions and all these things that our slave masters provided for us. At least in Egypt we were bound and shackled, but there was a little bit of freedom for us to at least live in homes instead of the tents of wanderers. At least in Egypt. And they wanted to go back to bondage. They wanted to go back to slavery. And they had legitimate concerns. A couple of years ago, I was able to visit the Sinai region. And let me tell you, it is a wilderness, rugged terrain. So I can understand why the people would complain about being in that place. No food, no water. So they complained and they grumbled. But that lack of faith and trust in God, the God who had saved them, from slavery, the God who had brought them out of Egypt, the God who had split the sea so that they could walk right through it, they began to doubt that God to provide them with everything that they needed to get from Egypt to the promised land. And folks, as they grumbled and they complained, their voices rose up to God. And God was not pleased with them, with their rebellion and their disobedience. So much so that God cursed them and said, what was supposed to take what most scholars believe is an 11-day journey for the people of Israel, all because of their lack of faith and trust in the God who had promised them that he would bring them out of slavery into a land where they could rest. The lack of faith, lack of trust in God meant that they would continue to wander in the desert and that those who complained against God would not enter into his rest. Only their children would enter into God's rest. So church, I have a question for you. Do you resonate with the story of the Israelites? Do you resonate with their rebellion against the God who commanded them to come out of Egypt and into a land of rest, but they complained and said they wanted to go back? They wanted to go back to their slavery. They wanted to go back to being in bondage. Are you a slave or are you a Sabbath keeper? That's the big question I want to ask us as a church this morning. Are we slaves or are we truly Sabbath keepers? So let's read Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 through 15. God is giving the Ten Commandments to Israel here, and this is what he says about this specific commandment about Sabbath keeping. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your gates. Your male servant and your female servant may rest as well with you. You shall remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm. 
Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. These are the words that God commands his people. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about how God is a God who commands us to rest because that is what he does in creation. God reminds us that there is this rhythm of productivity and rhythm of rest, of abiding in him and going out to be fruitful that he requires of us, that he has created for us as image bearers. But in this passage in Deuteronomy, as God is giving these commandments about what it means to Sabbath, it's very interesting that the reason that he gives the people of Israel here about this command to rest in him is for them to remember what it was like to be slaves under Pharaoh. Remember what it was like to be a slave. And remember that that is not what I have called you to be. I have called you to be image bearers and Sabbath keepers, not to be slaves who are in bondage. God reminded them that Sabbath is about us turning our back to slavery and looking forward towards freedom. God reminds us that Sabbath keeping is about not being shackled to the cares of this world, but being free to pursue the things of our heavenly kingdom. God reminds us that when we do not keep Sabbath and when we do not rest, it is like we are in chains again. It is like we are going back to Egypt. It is like we would rather die in the wilderness than follow God into the rest of the promised land. So church, are you a slave or a Sabbath keeper? You see, slaves are shackled, as Brandon reminded us last week, to fear. When we are enslaved, we are shackled to our pride. When we are enslaved, we are shackled to our gluttony. When we are enslaved, we do not have rest as our primary way and posture of being. Now, I have a bone to pick with Brandon because he never told us that there were two doctors in the Freemian household. Last week, Brandon did a lot of heart surgery on all of us, reminding us that look at these places where God is allowing us to see, bubbling those things up to the surface, how we've been enslaved to fear and worry, how we've been enslaved to our pride and looking out for the glory of ourselves instead of the glory of God, how we are enslaved to our own very temporary satisfaction and gratification instead of looking to the things of the future. Are you a slave or are you a Sabbath keeper? See, there's a very big difference between the way that Sabbath keepers enter into the world to work and to rest. Because, you see, slavery binds us to our fear. Slavery binds us to our worry. Slavery tells us that look out for the week that is about to come with an inauguration where we fear that there will be violence. And it causes us to worry in a way that doesn't produce anything good or restful. Slavery tells us to be afraid, to be afraid that we will not be provided for if we rest on one day and work the rest of the six. Slavery tells us that we need to be afraid and concerned about how God will provide if we cease from our work on that seventh day. Slavery binds us to fear. But you see, Sabbath keeping, Sabbath keeping frees us to childlike trust in God, 
A childlike trust that says, God, no matter what happens this week, my work as a Christ follower does not change. My work to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom of righteousness and justice does not change. My work to call people who do not see Jesus Christ as truly the one who saves, the lamb who sits upon the throne. My work is to continue to call people to rest in Jesus Christ. I will not be afraid because God is with me. Slavery binds us to fear, but Sabbath keeping frees us to trust. The second thing that slavery does is slavery forces us to seek the glory of our earthly masters. As slaves, we are always working for the person who is our earthly master. We seek their glory. We seek the things that they want, the things that they deserve, the things that they care about for our lives. And slavery binds us to that. Now, who is that earthly master for you? It could be yourself. We love ourselves and we put ourselves in the place where God only should occupy. Slavery forces us to seek our own glory. But Sabbath keeping is different. Sabbath keeping, on the other hand, forces us and pushes us to places where we seek the glory of our Heavenly Father and not our earthly masters. Sabbath keeping frees us from the pride that we have that says that we can do it all ourselves. It frees us from our slavery to seek the glory of another person instead of the glory of God. When God tells us that we should work on six days and rest on the seventh, God is calling us to this rhythm of fruitfulness and rest, fruitfulness and abiding, work and rest that ultimately brings glory to him and is good for us. When we keep our Sabbath, when we rest, we bring glory to our Heavenly Father and not to our earthly masters. Now, slavery forces us also to hope in temporary satisfaction. Slavery forces us to think about only the gratifications that we will get from doing something that gives us joy in the moment. But Sabbath keeping, on the other hand, Sabbath keeping moves us to desire places of hope that last beyond the moment and echo into eternity. So church, let me ask you that question again. Are we slaves or are we Sabbath keepers? Are we slaves or are we Sabbath keepers? Hebrews chapter four gives us a picture of what this looks like and how we can turn from being slaves to our greed and our pride and our gluttony and our fear to being freed people, Sabbath keepers who are entering into the rest and the promised land that God has provided for us. Hebrews 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 through 13. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest, also enters and works from his rest, just as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. You see, that is what God calls us to do, church. 
God calls us as a church through his word to examine ourselves and to see, are we really and truly resting? Are we resting in the way that God has called Sabbath keepers to? Or are we resting in a way that only slaves know how to? Are we working in the way that God has called Sabbath keepers? Or are we resting in a way that only slaves know how to rest? Are we slaves or are we Sabbath keepers? Now, you see, we'll try to justify and say, well, you know, I'm not really that bad. You know, when I, when I work seven days a week, it actually gives me an opportunity to be rich and I can buy the gold and I can buy the diamonds and I can buy the platinum. But what God's word tells us is that it doesn't matter if your chains have diamonds or gold on them. You're still shackled. You're still a slave. It doesn't matter that your gold and silver cover up your chains. The chains that bind us as slaves, we're still slaves to those things. God is calling us not from one type of slavery to a different type of slavery that has jewels and that is bedazzled. God is calling us to reject slavery and bondage and to choose instead the life-giving, life-changing posture of Sabbath-keeping, a posture of complete reliance and trust in God, a posture that completely leaves any kind of chain that will shackle us and cripple us, whether if it's chains of fear about the future, worry about how we will provide for ourselves and our families, whether if it's chains of pride that seek our own glory and the glory of earthly masters, instead of the freedom that allows us to seek the glory of God. God is calling us from slavery to salvation, from being slaves in bondage to being Sabbath keepers in a new promised land. And that's what God does with his word. It convicts us. That's why there's this beautiful passage about the word of God in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the Sabbath keeping. That's what God's word reminds us and splits down to our body and soul lifting up for us the fears that we have that keep us from resting on the seventh day. God's word reminds us and lifts up for us the fears that we have or the ways that we have sought the glory of our earthly masters instead of the glory of God. God's word, sharper than any two-edged sword, sharper than any surgeon's knife, cuts through our being and shows us that Sabbath-keeping is what God has called us to do. Image bearing and Sabbath keeping, that's what God has called us for. How do we look at this and remind ourselves that we should not continue to be slaves to our fear, to our pride, to our gluttony, but rather be children of God who rest in the promise of a land where we be always with God.
Well, Jesus Christ is that answer. Through Jesus Christ, we see that God has given us a great high priest. Hebrews 4, chapter 4 uh, verse 14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. And verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, this is a reminder to us that Jesus Christ has already experienced everything that we have. And yet Jesus Christ doesn't choose rebellion against God. Jesus Christ chooses obedience to God. Jesus Christ does not choose slavery to the whims of this world. Jesus Christ actually chooses to be a Sabbath keeper. And why is this very striking? I think it's striking for me because the work that Jesus Christ had to do on this earth was really important work. I mean, analyze it, right? The word became flesh and made God's dwelling among us. And Jesus Christ had to heal and perform miracles. Jesus Christ had to teach and reveal what the kingdom of God was really about to people who had a very different idea of what it meant to live in the kingdom. And our sin, sin that had ravaged us for many, many generations, Jesus Christ had come to reverse the curse of that sin and the bondage of that sin that we were under. Jesus Christ was being led to a cross and through that cross to a tomb that would later be empty. And he would rise from the dead and send his spirit to us, teaching us everything that we need to know about the kingdom of God, rescuing us from our darkness, rescuing us from our sin. That is the work that Jesus Christ had to do while he was here on earth. But Jesus Christ still chose to be obedient to the command to keep Sabbath. We see that in so many ways in his life. Constantly, Jesus just dipping and diving out of opportunities for ministry. Working with his disciples and saying, let's go away to a quiet place and rest. Let's pull away and commune with the Father. Yes, I know I'm on this mission to save and to rescue the world, but I will not do that at the expense of communion and Sabbath keeping with my heavenly Father. So if Jesus Christ, who had such a great task, Jesus Christ, who had all this work, good work, great work, consequential work of eternal significance to do, did not see Sabbath as something that he could skip, but was obedient to the rhythms of grace, of abiding in God and resting in God and being fruitful and working the other days and coming back to a place of abiding. I don't think my work <laughs> is as important that I should skip Sabbath. If Jesus Christ really enters into this Sabbath-keeping thing with humility and submission to the commands of God, then church, you and I also have that calling to be obedient to God and not to rebel like the people of Israel did in the wilderness, but to trust and obey God out of joyful and loving obedience, knowing that our God is a God who does not give commands out of his sheer plan to limit us, but because he loves us, because he cares for us, 
because he knows that this is good for us. So as Jesus Christ rescues us from our slavery and reconciles us to God and reconciles us to each other, the calling that Christ gives us is to redeem our Sabbath, to redeem this eternal rest that God gives us, to enter into this place where we can truly live the lives that God has always called us to be, the lives that he has designed for us from the foundations of this world, lives that are filled with joyful rest, rest that does not preclude or exclude work, but a rest that is able to bring the saving work of Jesus Christ into this world. Because one of the things that the Deuteronomy passage tells us is that when we are not resting, our world is not at rest. When we are not resting, our kids and our roommates are not at rest. When we are not resting, the immigrants who live in our midst are not at rest. When we are not resting, the animals that God has created to fill this earth are not at rest. When we are not resting, we not only enslave ourselves, but we enslave our entire world. When we are not resting, our world is not free. So church, I ask you that question again. As you look at your life, are we slaves or are we Sabbath keepers? Well, remember that Jesus Christ, through his blood, has purchased for us a salvation and an eternal rest that nothing else in this world can supply. And you and I can trust what God, through Christ, has done for us. That God, through Jesus Christ, has rescued us from the slavery and the bondage of our fears to the freedom of childlike trust. That through Jesus Christ, God has rescued us from the slavery and the bondage of our pride or seeking the glory of an earthly person or being to the freedom that we have in resting and seeking the glory of our Heavenly Father. Through the blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead, he has rescued us from our desire to satisfy ourselves temporarily with all these things that we think will satisfy, but things that eventually rot, things that are eventually consumed. Jesus Christ rescues us from that sin and moves us to places where we can truly focus on the things that are eternal, where we can rest in God and abide in God because we know that our God and the purposes that he has for us in this world are worth sacrificing, taking that seventh day to rest in him and to be about God's business. Do you trust Jesus? And do you trust the journey that he is bringing us from slavery to being Sabbath keepers? Do you trust his redemption plan and the way in which Christ fulfills and redeems everything about keeping Sabbath? Do you trust the example of Jesus Christ, who even though was in very nature God, and who had all these really great things to do on earth, salvation's plan, working out salvation's plan, still took it on himself to rest and abide in God and to call his followers 
and the rest of the people of his nation into that rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus Christ gives us a promise, a calling, a beckoning to us to say, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If you hear God's voice today calling you to an eternal rest, I pray that you would respond with obedience to God, and not in rebellion like the people did in the wilderness. My prayer for you today is that you never want to go back to slavery no matter how enticing, no matter how glamorous it may look, but that you will always press on through Jesus Christ and the work that he has done for you on the cross to an eternal rest and to a promised land that God has provided for you. My hope for us as a church is that we would be a place where people are not invited into ministry so they get burned out, but a place that truly has abiding rest, a place where people are serving the Lord their God but doing it in a way that produces joy, constantly reaching out and caring for one another, making sure that we're not burned out in our ministries, making sure that we as a community are reflecting the rest of God to ourselves, but also to the world around us. My prayer is that we would come to Jesus, who gives us that eternal rest, with our heavy and weary laden hearts and souls, that we would trade the strivings and the work of our selfishness and pride and gluttony and greed and trade them for the work that God has for us, a work that trusts in his power, a work that seeks the things of the kingdom of God, a work that is truly refreshing, not just to ourselves and to our souls, but to the world around us. Jesus Christ is the only one who gives that kind of rest. Jesus Christ is the only one who makes our burdens easy and makes the yoke light. Come to Jesus Christ and rest. Trade the chains of your fear and your pride and your gluttony for the amazing freedom of resting eternally and resting here on earth with Jesus Christ and with the community and the church that he calls for you to do that with. Church, may we not fall short of God's glory, but truly abide and work in the way that God wants us to, and also seek to rest in the way that God wants us to. May Jesus Christ continue to be our example. May Jesus Christ continue to be our rescue and salvation from selfish desires to a place of healing and hope and an eternal rest that resounds throughout our lives and throughout God's world. Amen. Jesus Christ, we thank you for your yoke that is easy and the burden that is light. We thank you for showing us an example of the bondage of our slide and the Father. 
We thank you for rescuing us from the bondage of our slavery to your eternal hope and your eternal rest. Father, may we take seriously the command that you give us as a community to enter into your rest. May we reach out in loving obedience to our brothers and sisters who are hurting and struggling to rest. And may we invite them to the rest that only you provide. God, may we reach out into our neighborhoods and our communities and our world that is striving to find rest in other places and remind them that rest, true eternal rest, can only be found in you. God, you are good and your mercy endures forever. And so we thank you for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who breaks every chain that we are shackled to. Jesus Christ, who reminds us that no matter how much we bedazzle our chains, they are still chains that hold us back from the eternal rest that God has for us. Jesus Christ, who is gracious and who stands continuously in heaven, interceding for us as a high priest, who has gone through all the temptations that we have, temptations to not rest, temptations to pursue ministry at all costs, but has risen above those temptations for our sake to provide for us a model and also provide for us a way to truly enter into the eternal rest of God. God, may we put all our hope in that Jesus. May we put all our hope in that Jesus this week as an inauguration that we are all fearful about looms ahead. May we trust in the lamb that was slain for our sins and for the salvation of the entire world. And God, may it reflect not just in our lives, but may the world around us see it and wonder, why are you at peace? Why are you at rest with everything that's going on? And may we have many opportunities to tell people and to invite people into the rest that is eternal, into the rest that has significance for our lives here today, but also our lives in eternity. Thank you for rescuing us from our sin and our bondage and bringing us into the promised land of your eternal rest. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.